1: Welcome to the Icons of Real Estate podcast. I'm your host Patty Teal. Let me tell you about today's guest. You may already know of him. Dave Seymour is both a residential and commercial real estate investor who has become one of the most recognizable experts in his field. His passion for business and real estate put him on the radar of A&E Television as well as CBS, ABC, CNBC, Fox News, and CNN. His Flippin' Boston series posted the highest ratings ever for the a and Network at the time of airing. Welcome, Dave.
0: Welcome, hi Patty. How are you? Hi, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Every time I hear that intro, I kind of pinch myself and look over my shoulder. I'm like, who are they talking who about?
1: Are they talking about who is that guy that did all that stuff? <laughs> who <laughs> is that guy? My,
0: my father, my father back in England still doesn't know what I do. I just could, oh. I just, I just assure him consistently Dad, I'm not a drug dealer. It's okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's funny. And some people still, even though, of course, most people do know about podcasting, but I still run into yeah. people and that say, could you explain to me what is a podcast? Yeah, so yeah, that yeah. occasionally happens as well. Anyway, I wanted to start with your story. Um, I know you were a broadcaster. I know you still do a podcast that's wildly popular. So you still mm-hmm. have broadcasting in your blood i think yeah but real estate as well and how did you get to where you are now what was the journey take your time and tell us your story
0: yeah no no worries i appreciate you asking it's it's kind of um it's kind of unique i would assume i'm I'm actually an immigrant to the united states uh i came over from um from london back in 1986 it's just a young buck. I was like 19, 20 years old. I had met my, my first wife, who was an American. Her visa ran out. And, and uh, it seemed like a good idea to emigrate, get married, <laughs> you know, come to the States. Um, but my, my background is is very blue collar. I come from a, um, um, a working class uh, mentality. Trading time for money is what we were taught and trained to do. I was a horrific student. I just scraped by with... Um, uh, the equivalent, I guess, of a high school diploma. Um, not because I don't think it was a lack of smarts. Um, I sure just is. was. <laughs> I, I just. I just was never really good at spending time, energy, and focus on things I didn't enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, in England, the school system in England, we take O levels, A levels, and what are called CSEs. O level stands for ordinary level education. A for advanced level education and see for, can't remember what CSE stood for, but um, I, I came out of school with like three O levels and a couple of CSEs. My sister, who was a lot smarter than me, she came out with like, I don't know, eight O levels, a couple of A levels and a partridge in a pear tree. So, um, <laughs> but it was interesting because the things that I, I I I passed the exams in, were not graded throughout our education the same way you are in the States, you get one shot at it. And um, they were, um, English, religious education, and art, uh, theater major. And it was like nobody, nobody could uh, compete with me if it was something that I wanted to do. So kind of interesting in retrospect. you know I'm now fifty five years old, and I look back at that and I think to myself, you know those have been the core things and the core skill sets that that I've used, you know throughout my throughout my career. But anyway, I came to the states, Um, 20 years old I lived in New York City um, loved it Uh, lived in um, uh, Wheeling by God West Virginia for a while my first wife's parents were in that part of the country and uh, Wheeling West Virginia in uh, the late 80s early 90s was was rough you know it was Rust Belt it was a depressed area Um, anyway I was uh, offered an opportunity to move up to the New England area which is where I'm stationed now and um I came to uh, to the Boston market, and um, I was I was kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. Right, mm-hmm. I, I I have um, I have a function within me, and I don't know what to term it other than that's the word that came to mind is a function. Like I love camaraderie, I love a team spirit, I love to take care of um, people. Like it, for me, it's it's like I like service. Right, I like to be able to to, to give something, um, not always hoping to get a return, but you know, just to, the the law of reciprocity is a beautiful thing. But sometimes it's just it feels good to take care of each other. Mm-hmm. And I don't want this to get hokey and and you know artsy fartsy, but you know, it's just in my DNA. That's who I am. And right. um, you know, I, I loved law enforcement. Um, and a buddy of mine said to me, "Don't be a cop." He said, "Why don't you not you take the the fire department exam?" And I'm like, what? he said, come on, come join us at the fire department. And I took the civil service exam here in Massachusetts, aced it, was in the top one percentile in the city and town that uh, that I was living in. And uh, 1997, 96, 97, I got on the, uh, the Lynn Fire Department.
1: Wow, that's so interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I loved it, Patty. Mm-hmm. I mean, I loved being a firefighter. I, I'm a guy's guy. You know, I like the, nice. the camaraderie and the BS of, you know a firehouse full of men you know breaking each other's stones and <laughs> you know just just that 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 environment and mm-hmm. um it was during that time that i got to see um a lot of the pain that's out there right this was this was during the 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 financial crash 2005 6 7 8 9 10 i'm on the fire department so i got to see abandoned houses i got to see professional tenants i got to see buildings demolished and ripped apart because they just financed everything out of the property that they could as a homeowner they took the kitchen sink and the cash and they left and um you know i got to see these communities that were already challenged i worked in a city in lynn massachusetts but these communities were really getting beaten down and -hmm. if you think about it real estate sticks and bricks it really is the it's the 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 heart of a community right Mm -hmm. um quality neighborhood's quality tenants, quality home ownership, pride in home ownership, and all that had gone, gone to crap. It had gone. And, um, you know, I, myself was a, um, I, I, I use the word victim in the sense of uneducated. I was a victim of the, uh, of the mortgage crisis. Um, people around me were telling me, Dave, you know, refinance your house, real estate never goes down. A uh, buddy of mine was a mortgage broker. I refinanced my house three times with him wow. uh, in about an 18-month period of time. I figured out later on he was making six points on every mortgage that he, <laughs> he broke. So, you know, maybe he wasn't Good my friend. friend. Yeah, right. Maybe he wasn't my friend after all. It's amazing what you don't know and then once you learn something. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, my own property was in was in pre-foreclosure. Um, I was working about 120 hours between the fire department, construction, and part-time uh, part-time night work, uh, cost me a marriage, cost me a relationship with my Aww. kids. Um, it was, it was tough. It's like, uh-huh. it, you know, you make, you make decisions, um, and you make them freely or I have, I've made them freely out of, you know, trying to do the right thing, always trying to do the right thing. And yet, you know, not, not everybody is, is built the same way. Uh-huh. So anyway, to fast forward during that period of time, I was working construction on my days off. I was losing my own house. And I was working a particular job site. And I remember it was, it was cold. It was wet and cold. It was raw Boston. And um, the property I was working on with a couple of guys from the firehouse was an investor property. Guy was flipping this house. He would bought it for X, put some money into it, sell it for Y, make a couple of bucks. Well, this guy showed up in his nice car. Mm-hmm. And you gotta imagine I'm covered in, you know, I'm covered in crap. I'm working the construction site. My body hurts. I gotta get off the construction site at four to be at the firehouse at five and work an overnighter and then come back to the construction site the next day. I'm I'm dragging my butt through through life. And um this guy got out of this car and he he had a smile on his face. And he and he drove a nice car and he was wearing nice clothes and he had a a, a, a shiny attitude about him. And I'm like, who's that? And one of the guys said, oh, that's Bob, whatever. He owns a joint. He owns a house. I said, so what's his gig? What's he all about? And, uh, you know, the guy told me he buys houses, fix them up and sells them. So I start talking to Bob. And I'll let you in on our little secret, Patty. Bob wasn't that smart. <laughs> he wasn't. He, he, he wasn't that smart. And I'm thinking to myself, what the hell am I doing? right? What am I doing? It was a case of, you know, God coming down, tapping me on the shoulder. You know, I, I felt like a Snoopy cartoon where the light bulb went off. And, um, you know, it was a case of transitioning from, for me, you know, always trading one hour of my time for somebody else's money to create my own financial future. And um, that's really where it began. And, and I, I I was in my, my pickup truck um, wasn't one of the happiest moments of my life because I was going through a lot of personal challenges at that time. Like I said, losing my house and a marriage. And it was a, it was a really crappy time. And I'm, I'm uh, screaming and shouting at my God. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do next? Show me the way. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, screaming, <laughs> right? I'm screaming and, and crying yeah. and shouting and begging and pleading. Mm-hmm. And um, a commercial came on the radio in my truck. And it was uh, teach me foreclosure a free one and a half hour seminar coming to your neck of the woods. And I'm like, okay,
1: buddy, Mm -hmm. I I
0: believed it to be Mm -hmm. so. And, um, you know, we, we got on, we got on board. Um, my now wife, Mary Beth, who was a labor and delivery nurse that I met when I was a paramedic in training. Um, we, we had got together and we went to a seminar and, you know, we invested. I think it was like thirty thousand dollars on her credit cards for my education, bought mm-hmm. myself some accountability that day, and uh, the rest is history. I, I I went for it. Once I've made a decision, uh, something about my, again, my my DNA, if you will, or my my sense of life is, I can't do anything with half measures. I'm either all in or I'm out. I can't like now maybe do a little bit of this or I'll maybe do a little bit of that. Right. You know, maybe isn't a day of the week is what one guy told me one time. Um, you have
1: no backup lights.
0: No, I don't. I don't have any backup lights. I love no. that phrase. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't have backup lights. And, and look, today, you know, the people who invest with me appreciate the fact that I don't have backup lights, mm-hmm. because they they necessarily don't have always the confidence to go out and do the things that I do. But they've got the confidence to be my backup system, if you will, to be able to you know to launch forward, um, but anyway, it started there. I started with a single family house. I learned wholesaling. I learned contractual real estate. Um, I learned that not not all real estate agents and realtors are created equal. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of a lot of personalities in in the real estate world, and I did my very best to swim amongst them all. And very quickly, I um, I became recognized in Massachusetts as number as one of the uh, the number one. Um, uh, distressed asset investor. Uh, yeah. we, we um, very blessed to be recognized by the Attorney General's office for the work that we had done uh, Martha Copley um, reached out to me and she said you know can we can we partner up she had her own program um, the, the abandoned housing initiative here in Massachusetts this is 2008 910 when everything was pretty rough and uh, we partnered with them and you know we go to court get the houses foreclose on the bank (laughs) we foreclosed on the bank we put a lien in front of the bank uh for construction and uh we fix them up and then the bank could either buy them back or we put them to market and um you know again it had gone kind of like full circle right you saw the depression of what had happened with the mortgage crisis and and the crashing of the housing market 2008 and then for us we saw it come down then we got to be a part of building it back up again and I think real estate investors, um, you know, good um, real estate professionals, lawyers, realtors, you know, um, contractors—they're the ones that really bought it all back. I think, you know, as much as we've tried to kick it over to the government to solve our problems, you know—I think we know that doesn't work, right? We we take we take, you know, we take our destiny in our own hands, and you know, it's kind of been on a trajectory from there. So I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go quite as long, but. I
1: love it. Our listeners will absolutely, you know, enjoy your story. And I think everybody loves a story where somebody didn't start with a lot, but they have done so much, you know, and uh, I think that's fabulous. So thank you for sharing that. Um, by the way, I love your British Boston accent. <laughs> it's a mess, isn't it? Isn't it a mess? <laughs> I don't think I've ever experienced yeah. that before. It's just yeah. lovely. Anyway. They call me.
0: They call me the Boston Brit.
1: <laughs> oh, that's cute. That's very cute. Yeah. So, um, first of all, what are the types of properties you invest in, or that you have your clients invest in?
0: Yeah, today. So we went through the transition of of single family flipping. And along the way, I'd always retain my own portfolio of multifamily assets locally. Uh, in in the Boston market, we got a lot of three families and four families, six family units or six plexes, they call them in, in mm-hmm. Chicago, for example. So I'd always invested in that. And as as my career has progressed, you know, my my partnerships, if you will, my investor partners. Sometimes they would come in uh, uh, as, a, as a, um, uh, a mortgage, right? A private mortgage if I was doing a flip. So that's, that's a structure that, uh, that I've used over the years. Um, sometimes they come in as just a uh, funding of the construction. So they wouldn't have a mortgage, but they'd have a note uh, in a secondary position against the bank, given mm-hmm. its liquidity. Some people would just give me money and I'd say, okay, I'll put the money to work and we'd negotiate a rate of return, almost like a revolving line of credit. Mm-hmm. But, they, but they knew Dave was going to go out and buy the right deal, execute on the right deals. Um, I was very successful in buying a portfolio of um, rental properties in Maine with another partner. And what we did there was, was we brought in some private lenders, investors, We'd use my own credit worthiness and my tax returns. We'd buy the assets cash and then immediately refinance them out within that 30, 60 day period of time so that we could take that capital right out of the deal and then roll it into the next deal. Um, that was a strategy that worked really well for us. Um, we actually liquidated the last of those assets um, a couple of, about a month ago with mm-hmm. over a, uh, well, it was an infinite return to us. Uh, because we we get our own money out of their ASAP, use the capital, the bank's money, which is always the cheapest, uh, and use investor capital and keep turning that over. But our investors were anywhere between an 8 to 12% um, interest on their money, interest only. Um, so they were always very happy. Sometimes they participate in the upside if it was a sales acquisition, and we give them a piece of the profit on the back end. So you know, some of those return profiles for investors have been very aggressive. Um, again, these are all targeted returns. I'm not an account. I'm not an attorney. I'm not getting anybody an offering. We got to do the legal thing, Mm -hmm. but you know, I've seen, I've seen investors 25 to 50% return on their capital. Um, their internal rates of return can be north of 50%. So that, that ability to understand, um, how to raise money, Mm -hmm. how to, um, You know, it's interesting. I've in my career, I have never asked for money.
1: Really,
0: I don't ask. In this
1: line of business, that's pretty amazing. Yeah,
0: yeah, I don't ask for money. What I do is, is I share opportunities, right? Um, mm -hmm. And and I think that's that's one of the reasons that we've been successful because I know that there is more money, especially now uh, Mm -hmm. after the the COVID crisis that we went through, that there is more money in the market than there are good deals. So who really has the leverage or the value in the relationship? Um, it's us as investors. Um, it's the investor partners in the real estate world. It's the realtor who knows what a good deal looks like and can bring it to a guy like me so I can take down that deal in a shorter period of time. So, you know, we've, we've got the golden goose and um, that's a mindset shift. I believe that um, not all investors uh, accomplish Mm-hmm. Um, I think some investors uh, reach a um, a ceiling, if you will. They they reach that, a plateau mm-hmm. that they can't that they can't break through. They don't have confidence to to start adding some zeros to their deals. So today um, we're now a private equity uh, development and multifamily investment company. Um, when we start dealing with larger projects. Um, you know, the biggest project to date is about a um exit number on it will be about 42 million. Um
1: a pretty big number.
0: Yeah, that's a nice number. That's 106 units in Cape Coral. Uh that's a ground up construction deal. Uh we just finished raising on that deal. We bought in about six and a half million in private equity on that deal. And now we're finishing up the uh the debt structure with uh with the bank. Um you know, and my investors look at those kinds of deals and they go through our underwriting and our proformas. It's not for everybody. This isn't, you know, this isn't the guy who's got a couple of grand sitting in an account somewhere and wants to see what I can do with it. You know, majority of our investors are anywhere between 50 and, you know, 1.5 million, um, was one of our investors that, uh, that's coming in on, on a transaction with us this week. So, um, you know, where do we, where do we put that capital? So, there's a couple of, couple of examples I can give you. Um, I'll give you a high-end example. I'll give you a lower-end example. Okay. Uh, we had the opportunity about 10 months ago to purchase uh, a 13-unit um, acquisition in West Palm Beach. It was in a B-plus, sorry, B-minus, C-plus neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it wasn't, wasn't the creme de la creme, uh, but it was very much a, a workforce housing neighborhood the property had been rehabbed 100% but it was 100% unoccupied so in my line of work the value is in the cash flow right it's yeah. not in it's not necessarily in just the building so it was a unique deal but we took that deal down we raised um, 2 million in uh, private equity and we purchased the property cash so we buy a 2 million dollar building for cash the way we structured it for our investors was we said to them, we'll we'll pay you quarterly distributions at time of stabilization. Um, those quarterly distributions have obviously progressed because we leased up uh, in increments, only 13 doors, but we were leased up in like 90 days. Um, we did a little more work ourselves, but big picture on that was a short, short hold for our investors. Mm-hmm. So the idea was a one-year hold. So 10 months ago, we purchased it, a one-year hold, refinance, Uh, um, give back all of the the capital to our investors, let them sit in cash flow, basically free money now because they've already got their principal back for one more year and then sell into the market at the two-year mark. And for us, we targeted out our investors to get what's called a 1.5 equity multiple on that. So if an investor put in a a hundred thousand at the end of the deal, at the two-year time of sale, and the investor had an expectation of getting... All of their capital back the hundred thousand plus fifty thousand, okay. That's a one point five equity multiple. But what's interesting is is the the market has um, you know showed us that we never really know you know what what's changing. To yes,
1: uh-huh. but
0: we, we we use our very best intelligence and experience and skills et cetera et cetera. So we started looking at the market, and at nine months we we bought the asset to market. Uh, we bought it like I said for 2 million. it's currently in contract for 3.2 million. Um, our investors are looking at a potential 1.6 equity multiple in, um, in less than a year. So that's you know you put up 100 grand and you make 60 grand in, in less than one year and all you had to do was look at your quarterly reports, stay in touch with our communication. you know our investors will be extremely happy uh, when that gets to the closing table. So that's that's a smaller. Smaller deal. Now, if we look at um, Cape Vista, which is a 106-unit ground-up development, that deal um, is 27 million, including soft costs, um, to to complete the 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 build. Five buildings, 106 units, two bed, two bath, 1850 in rent per unit. That deal, our investors have looked at that and they've said, okay, you know, how can we structure a return on this because we're going to build it. We're going to bring in the contractors. We're going to run the project. We're going to we're going to do the whole development piece. So our investors are basically looking at what's called a 2X stop out. So they'll double their money, 2X, 100 in, 100 back plus 100. So that's the 2X. And then on top of that, what they'll do is, is they'll share in a 50-50 what's called a promote, which is everything over that is then shared um with the uh, with the the GP the general partners or the operators us so our investors on that one are looking at potentially a, th- a 3x return on their money a three three multiple return on their money so I've showed you a 1.5 in mm-hmm. less than a year and a three three x multiple but that will take five years mm-hmm. and you also have to understand two years there's no cash flow because we're building the building. Makes so it's it, right. Mm-hmm. Investors think differently. Patty. Right, really? Some investors yeah. go, oh, my God, I got to get cash flow. Some mm-hmm. investors go, no, that money's, you know, sitting in my 401k getting brutalized by the market. That money's, you know, going in the pocket of my my stockbroker. Um, if money isn't working, if money isn't moving, if it's not in an investment that's aggressive right now, um, you know, then then money money's getting lost. So some investors will look at that and they'll say I'll take a 5-year run with you looking for a, for a higher higher return uh, on my capital over that over that period of time. Um, so that gives you some some idea some flavor. Um, yeah got, and you I must a have ton some of work. Yeah. very
1: happy investors and once they're happy I'm sure they're just waiting for you to come to them with the next opportunity.
0: Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it becomes very it becomes cyclical like we've we have I think maybe 13, 14, maybe 20 max investors on that $2 million deal, Um, I would say 50, 60% of those investors are already like, I don't want my money back. Let it ride. Where's it going to go next? Right. Right. Um, And that, and that, that gets some momentum behind it. You know, one of my, one of my mentors used to talk to me about the velocity of capital. And he explained to me um, the, the rule of 72, which was compound interest. And the rule of 72 says that, you know, that the, the higher your your interest can, can, can keep working the capital, it, it really does bring in a massive uh, rate of return over time. The challenge is always having that money in velocity and moving. Sure. And, um, you know, I don't know about anybody who listens uh, to this podcast or, or anything else. But I, I grew up in an environment that said you, you had to save money, right? You always mm-hmm. save money, you, you, you need it right. for a rainy day. Mm-hmm. You know, They never told me what that rainy day was, they never told me what the dollar amount was going to be. You know, I've had I've had rainy day emergencies that cost 50 bucks. And I've had rainy day emergencies that have cost a half a million. Right. You know what I mean? Well, um, yeah, so, but there's so no, many different
1: kinds of people. And, yeah. and maybe the big investors probably are uh, not so conservative, uh, yeah. but um, you it reminds me of people who maybe work as a postal worker for their whole life. Yeah. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that, but they get their yeah. retirement and they're happy, and that's it. Yeah. Whereas other people yeah. just have this vision to do something more with their money.
0: Yeah, it's so. it's it's difficult to overcome, um, and I can I I say this from experience, right? Mm-hmm. Like I I needed to change for me. I needed to change my thinking, mm-hmm. and my outlook around capital. Um, it's it's hard to really double down on the theory. And and I'm going to oversimplify it because I never forgot it. A guy said to me, you got to let one free so it can come back with two or three. Oh. That's what he said to me. And it became mm-hmm. a mantra for me, right? Mm-hmm. Let it free so it can come back with two or three. And when that happens successfully, uh, from an investor, it almost feels like, like, like cheating, you know what I mean? Like I didn't do anything, but I let it go and wow. it came back. Wow. And the hardest part is finding operators um, that really take their fiduciary responsibility seriously. And, and the way that I, I think of that, I'll give you an example if I may. Um, I was sitting with uh, one of our investors, gentleman who owns a, owns a business locally. And he was looking through one of our offerings and he's, he's a pretty substantial check writer. He's, he's mm-hmm. nearly a half a mil when he writes a check. And Jack looked at me and he said to me, he said, you know what, David, I'm super busy in my business, right? He knows his business inside out, back to front, 30 plus years of doing what he does to, to, to create income in his business. He said, I understand 75, 80% of your business. I'm not a stupid man, he said, but I don't have the years of experience that you have. I don't have the years of analysis of market analysis, deal analysis that you have. And he looked me in the eyes and he said to me, this is my retirement capital. That means this, this is the money that me and my wife plan to retire on. Mm -hmm. I'm giving it to you. He said, I'm giving it to you. He said, I'm giving it to you because I trust you. Mm -hmm. Um, So (laughs) I can't sleep at night, <laughs> oh. right? If uh-huh. if if it's like if I'm not one thousand mm-hmm. percent, one thousand percent down on the deal, and mm-hmm. um, you know that that's that's our fiduciary responsibility. We we have to follow the Security and Exchange Commission rules and regulations for investing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, no matter what the asset class is that we're investing in, be it an apartment mm-hmm. complex or build for rent, single family complexes that we're building. Um, You know, it's the same rules and regulations, whether it's 50,000, 25,000, or, you know, one and a half million from a family office. So, um, you know, our our, our pool of investors is diverse. Um, Our offerings are diverse, but the fundamentals are exactly the same. Good economics, right? Really strong economics, job growth, uh, population growth, um, cost of living, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, all being in line, and then being able to find the right deals to execute on. So
1: well, I like that you work with investors who can invest different amounts and some where it's their retirement fund, is really, yeah. really important and others yeah. who are professional investors. And, uh, you know, if they lose it, they lose it, but yeah. they have yeah. more in, the, in yeah. <laughs> more yeah. in their pockets if they need yeah. it. Yeah. So you yeah. take on all people
0: that
1: need to, that want to invest and secure their future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We work with, uh, you know, I I work with a retired cop. Uh, I work with a um, plastic surgeon. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
0: I work with a VP, vice president. This was, this was, this was great. I love this guy. Vice president of a nationally known title company, right? This guy is probably bringing down, salary 800 a year mm-hmm. with bonuses mm-hmm. 1.5 1.6 million a year mm-hmm. but he's a he's a he's an employee right yeah. so yeah. the tax man's going to be mm-hmm. nibbling away um mm-hmm. but I had a conversation with him and it was uh his first investment and it was uh, around a 100,000 and he said to me Dave what's the worst case scenario I said I got to tell you worst case scenario is you can lose every single dime that you invest with me mm-hmm. I said SEC compliance says that I need to tell you that. And I'm telling you that. That's reality. You could lose every penny. Mm -hmm. Now, what you might want to ask me is, Dave, if you were investing in it, what do you think the very worst case scenario or best case scenario is for you? I said, well, I am investing in it. I invest in all of my deals. And look, worst case scenario, I feel on a deal is I break even. I don't lose anything. My number one job is to not lose principal. I said, in "Best case scenario is we 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 reach the three x or two x multiple, whatever the deal was." And it was interesting, Paddy, because he says to me, "Well, if all I'm going to do is break even, why wouldn't I just leave it in the bank?" And it was so hard for me not to just like go down the throat, fold, and, and smack him a little bit. I said, Are you?" <laughs> I said, "Are you all right?" I said, "What's the inflationary rate right now? What did you pay for gas last week?" Mm-hmm. Ask, ask, you know, if you do the grocery shopping, what's the difference in your grocery bill? If your, if your bride or your partner does it, what's, what's the difference in the grocery bill? I said, every single day, money sits in a bank; it is devalued. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. second it sits, it's, it's devalued, mm-hmm. and you could almost, you could almost hear that, that epiphany, like. Like the sky opened up and a bolt of light came down and he was like,
1: that's holy moly.
0: He's like, I get it. I get it. I said, money, capital is a tool. It hates resistance. It hates friction. How do I know it hates it? Because when it stands still, it loses value. Statistically, I think the, the buying power of a dollar is somewhere around 15 or 20 cents. Wow! It's like, we it? think,
1: Right, we mm-hmm. think we got a hundred
0: grand when you really only got $20,000 worth of buying power. That's so, really
1: interesting. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: um, alternative investments, commercial investing for, for a passive investor. Look, Blackstone just allocated $25 billion to their fund for multifamily and um, build for rent investing in the next couple of years. Like, I don't, I don't need to be uh, the smartest guy in the room. Um, I can watch the big boys. I can mm-hmm. see the moves that they make
1: mm-hmm. with,
0: you know, the Chicago Chicago Teachers uh, Retirement Account, the New York Fire Department Retirement Account. You know, these billions and billions of dollars, um, and know that I'm making the right moves for my smaller investors. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it gives me confidence, and I think at the end of the day, that's that's the the missing piece with a with a lot of stuff. Um, it's confidence. If you think about it, the 401k investor, do they really know what the hell they're doing? right? You went to the conference room one day because somebody was going to do a presentation. There were free donuts and coffee. You got an hour out of work. You went to this presentation. They asked you three questions, how old you are. Okay, you're in the, uh, you're in the low risk, medium risk, uh, high risk. right? You're, you're nearly dead. You, you need to go in the low risk right now. Uh, we're going to take X amount of money out of your paycheck. Uh, then there's a company match and everybody goes, oh, that's free money. And then they watch their 401ks do what? What, what have they done? Have they consistently offered double-digit returns year over year? I think the answer to that is probably no. And yet mm-hmm. nobody asks the question why. Nobody asks a question about the fee structure inside everything that we're used to doing for retirement. Nobody asks about the fee structure for, for 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 fund managers. You know, it's it for me, it gets a little gets a little personal because I've been on both sides of the equation, right? I've been, I've been an employee. And, um, you know, today we offer, we offer opportunities that have really only been allocated for the 1%, right? The, uh, the institutional quality investments, um, you know, we're blessed today as operators to be able to bring those to, to a wider audience, to your point. I love Mm -hmm. what I do, Patty. I really do. I I can tell that is so cool. Yeah. Yeah
1: are you constantly looking for investment? And yeah, uh, all the time, just kind of watching what's going on. That's,
0: I've got, I've got $300 million worth of investments in my pipeline right now. If I turn the camera, if I turn the camera around and put it on my whiteboard, Mm -hmm. um, I'd be I go through those with you. Yeah, yeah, always. You
1: have found the right calling for sure. And what about (laughs) what about investors? (laughs) Do you have to reach out to them? And I know you have to Figure out who would be right for different investments, but do you yeah. already have your pipeline full, or are you always looking for new?
0: No, we're always raising money. It's it's interesting in real estate. There's two things that you should be doing consistently: looking for deals and raising capital. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when the deal flow is too strong, there's a way to bifuricate deal flow and work with other people and partner. Mm-hmm. Um, when the cash flow is too strong, we can do it again by bifurcate and work with right partners to bring capital to uh, what's called a co-GP environment. So we're, we're always raising money, always raising money. Um, but you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna preface it with this. It's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Our avatar um, is what's called an accredited investor.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, an accredited investor is determined by the Security and Exchange Commission as an individual that earns $200,000 a year or 300,000 as a family unit or a million dollars in net worth, mm-hmm. not including their primary residence. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is, is the SEC says, if that's your earning potential, then you're smart enough to look at alternative <laughs> investments. And you I just explained, right? Star, yeah. you get the, it's like getting your, your little blip on, on uh, TikTok or whatever the hell that stuff is. It, right? Yeah, exactly. But I just explained to you, a guy who earns 1.5 million didn't understand that his capital was depreciating every day it sat in a bank. Mm-hmm. So it's very frustrating when I have a highly motivated individual
1: mm-hmm. who
0: is just below the line of accreditation. So what we've uh, what we've been able to do there is, is we can bring in non-accredited investors below that threshold of income. And for them, we have a, um, a fixed income expansion fund. Oh. Those people, yeah, those people can come in, put capital in for a couple of years at a 10% um, monthly rate of return. So they... You know, the guaranteed to make ten percent on their principal every year, um, and then that capital we use to put deposits on deals to you know yeah. keep keep that too the, much
1: time they probably could qualify as an accredited investor they could work their way exactly up that's exactly
0: the plan that's yeah. exactly the plan yeah mm-hmm. now they've now they're a part of the 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 company they're part of Freedom Venture mm-hmm. um, you know they get the inside track on what we what we're doing mm-hmm. um, you know monthly updates some education is always critical. So yes, we're always looking for investors. Um, I will not take somebody's last dollar okay. <laughs> just because I can. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I've and turned how do my- you
1: always find them? How do you look for them?
0: Yeah, look, I'm blessed. The TV show um, gave yeah. me a, a national you know, presence, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We've been able to market that very well. Um, I've also spent probably 10 years in... Uh, that seminar world that I went to as a student, I became mm-hmm. an educator yeah. and um, very blessed to have taught all over the country and built up a really good database of, of active investors. Um, LinkedIn is actually a phenomenal resource um, to share your message, um, mm-hmm. s- somewhat free marketing.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but um, word of mouth, I mean, when I, I had an investor come through there, they're in with us for about almost two million now across a couple of deals. And we always, we always want to know where they came from, how they got mm-hmm. to be with us. And uh, this particular guy is a friend of a brother-in-law who heard a podcast or went to a webinar, loved what we did. He didn't invest, but he said, you should go check out Dave Seymour on those guys at Freedom Venture Investments. You know, they got some great offerings and opportunities down in the Florida market. And everybody knows that Florida is just Crushing Exploding. it right now.
1: that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, the uh, have know, really so, gone up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, how do you, how do you quantify or figure out exactly where they all came from? Marketing is 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 not my 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 best use of my time. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm probably the spokesman for the company more than mm-hmm. anything else. You know what yeah. I mean? But I, I'm I'm, I'm, very it. Good I'm the at CEO. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try. I try. Mm-hmm. So yes, we're always looking for deals. Yes, we're always looking for capital. But it's got to be a nice fit, and if it's a nice fit, then magic happens.
1: Yeah. Um, so maybe most of our audience knows the answer to this, and I just wondered: when your company only works with accredited investors, is that because you are a public company? And that's, no. You
0: know- no. It's SEC rules and regulations. So okay. I, I offer what's called a 506c mm-hmm. Reg D offering.
1: Okay? okay. That's
0: how. That's how I can publicly talk about my deals. Our conversation. Mm-hmm. that we've had about targeted returns and, and specific deals, the, the smaller one and the big one, I would, I would be breaking the law if I wasn't um, a 506C Reg D qualified okay. company, right? Mm-hmm. right. Um, so that's why the accreditation um, is, to needs play. to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a simple process. It's a, it's a question and answer that they, they, they fill out in the back office and then a verification service that we use. Um, but once that's, that's verified, um, and somebody has invested, it's a lot easier to invest the second and third time. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's why we, we deal with the accreditation.
1: My gosh, Dave, I could talk to you all day. <laughs> I have lists of questions that we didn't get to. No, but, I get it. But uh, I mean, I loved all of the information you shared, mm. you just know mm. it backward and forward you don't have to look at any notes you know what no, you're doing no, and what a no. what a great success you've made with your life and helping people and not taking their last dime and you know having yeah. some integrity with it yeah you That's have to amazing yeah appreciate
0: it thank yeah. you for the comment yeah yeah
1: oh, and would you share your contact information yeah, and, sure. and you do yeah. a podcast too don't you with
0: I do. I do. Yes. If uh, if you um if you look for uh, Freedom Venture on uh, any of the podcast sites you'll find it there. Um if you want to I'm old school, Patty. I've actually got a telephone number and you can call a us direct.
1: Number? Yeah, cool. imagine that.
0: <laughs> imagine that. Yeah, it's not rotary though. So oh, that's you know but we somebody are somebody
1: actually are... answers
0: it? <laughs> yes, they do. 781-244-3 oh, Se- um sorry, seven eight one four two two. What is that phone number? Hold on a minute. I do okay. have to get some notes because I never call my own
1: office. Oh, I think I've got it. Oh,
0: there it is. My lord. 781-922-4418. 781 922 4418 Um that's great. If you're if this podcast is also streamed, you can see behind me freedomventure.com. Mm-hmm. Um, Google my name, Dave Seymour, S-E-Y-M-O-R. Um, I'm no longer on America's Most Wanted. So it's okay to Google me now. We're good, we're good to go. Good but to um, yeah, reach out. Let's, let, let's have a conversation. Um, we're proud of our customer service. Uh, if it's a fit, great. If it's not, great. Maybe it'll be the next time. Um, but you know, the more educated an investor is, the better investor they are uh, to, to do business with, right? It's, it's, a, it's a team. It's a yeah. team. Um, so yeah, you can find me if you want to find me.
1: I will find you. And I've heard you're building an office in Fort Myers and that's right we where are. I am. So I can right really track McGregor. you down. Yeah,
0: <laughs> right on McGregor Bull. That's a crazy deal too. I mean, that that project, we purchased the, the land for uh, 700,000. Uh, it's got a 22,000 um, uh, traffic count. And we were offered a million dollars for it two days after we purchased it for 700. Uh, oh my gosh. We put, Yeah, we put our permitting in And we haven't even broke ground on it yet. And we're hundred percent pre-leased. So it's, you know, it's the market, right place, right time. So
1: that's for sure.
0: Come on down, come on down. Fort Myers, we'll be there.
1: Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for being on Icons of Real Estate Podcast. You were amazing.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Pat. (laughs) Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.